Welcome to Humble Beginnings, a podcast where we uncover the unconventional, more relatable paths to success. In this show, we'll share the stories before the C-suites, board memberships, and appointments, the stories of various upbringings, first jobs, career pivots, educational uncertainties, and more. This is the place to hear about their lives from the GovCon executives themselves. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Humble Beginnings. I'm your host, Amanda Zieda, and our guest today is Gary Slack, President and CEO of XLA. Thank you for being here today, Gary. Good morning, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I'd like to start by by talking a bit about your roots. I understand that you have a unique connection to the area. What are your family ties to Northern Virginia? Oh, gosh. My, my roots go back to the revolutionary time. I, I don't know where they came from originally, other than somewhere over in uh, Europe. But uh, yeah, my, my family uh, on both sides has been around since the you know 1700s. And uh, all in this area, you know, I'm one of those unique Washingtonians that uh, has been here, grew up here, and has seen a lot of change and stayed here. Yeah, you don't hear that too often. So, what was your childhood like growing up in the area, and how did this shape you? Sure, I, I grew up in uh, in Sterling Park, uh, which is right near Dulles Airport. It was a small, uh, new community. Uh, when I grew up there, uh, everything else was farms, as far as the eye could see here in Loudoun County. And it was it was a little bit like Mayberry, you know. If you, you think of uh, the Andy Griffith uh, series, it, it was a little bit like that. Everything was self-contained. We all went to the same schools, same churches, uh, and you know, neighbors were were in and out of people's houses all the time. So I, I think the the shaping of that was it kept me, you know, very well grounded in terms of the realities of life. You know, both of my parents were hourly workers, uh, my mom in retail, my dad in, in uh, maintenance for the government. So it was, you know, it was pretty, you know, simple upbringing, not, not a lot of extras and not a lot of stuff to do other than just hang out with your friends and, and families uh, close by. Gary, when we were talking before, you had sent me an article that was written about you years ago, and you mentioned what I believe to have been your first job and kind of spiraled into a few other jobs at a young age. Um, and I believe this is when you got your business bug. So tell us about your donut business and what drove you to work at a, at a pretty young age. Well, I, I am the youngest of four children. Uh, we, we grew up in a three bedroom, one bathroom, little house, and we didn't have a whole lot. Uh, there certainly wasn't extra, I would say. We, we had enough to, to feed the family and, and pay our bills, but kind of paycheck to paycheck. And for whatever reason, I decided I wanted more. I wanted something, you know, different. So I would look in the newspapers and I found a little article or an ad in the paper saying, hey, wanted donut salespeople for this this little business. And the idea was you would go door to door, take orders from people in the neighborhood, get money. And then on Saturday morning, a guy from somewhere would deliver me the donuts and I would go deliver them. I did that for probably, you know, one summer. Um, that was, you know, kind of, you know, the idea there was, well, you know, you paid a dollar a box for the donuts and you sold them for $2. The difference was what I got to use for, you know, my, my own enjoyment. And, you know, I, I saved it. I had a savings account. So, you know, my, my business mind started working, you know, very early. Uh, and that led to other jobs, a paper route with my brother, 
then I started, you know, working when I was probably 14, 15 years old at a, at a local hardware store. And, you know, to earn something is, is very rewarding if, if you, you get to reap the benefits of, of that hard work. So funny. And I read that it was because originally you had wanted a, a color TV. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was that was you know we had a black and white TV and you know with with six people in the house you know there wasn't a whole lot of uh, uh, TV time. There were only you know a few channels at the time, but yeah, I had my eye on a on a TV, so I was saving up for a small little ten inch uh, color TV and ultimately got that. And yeah, it sounds a little selfish looking back on it, but it, as a <laughs> as a ten year old kid, you're kind of saying, hey, I I need a little bit of private time. <laughs> I want to watch oh, yeah. so. That's that's what that led to. So yes, I, I was very focused on. I had a business plan. Was earn some money. This is what I was going to buy, and here's how I was going to enjoy it. So it's a pretty it's a pretty good work ethic at a young age. <laughs> I didn't have anything else to do in those days. <laughs> there were no computers. It was simply you go out and work or you go out and play. So I did a little bit of both. That's awesome. How did this kind of progress through grade school and and ultimately drive your entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah, I, I think it, it certainly gave me that ability to uh, interact with people, uh, dealing with conflict and, and unhappy consumers, certainly, you know, whether it be the paper route or, or the donuts, if people weren't happy, you know, as a kid, you have to deal with that. There was no safety net at the time. My parents weren't walking door to door with me. I was I was taking the complaints and I was having to go back and deal with it. Uh, so all of that stuff kind of shaped my, you know, abilities to to interact and, and deal with with people. And I enjoyed that aspect. Some people are, are very uncomfortable in those situations. For me, it led to what I did in high school and what I studied in high school. Um, and I think they still do it today. It, it was called DECA back when I did it, Distributive Education Clubs of America was basically, you know, you, you did marketing and, and business things. You got credits working at a, at a store and, uh, you know, we ran the school store in the high school. All of those things, I was involved in that and did, you know, sales demonstrations, you know, at my store and, you know, did it for, for you know, exams and, and, and grades and stuff in between. Uh, I also took accounting courses in high school because I realized that, you know, the best business person is the one that actually understood the aspects of business, which probably led me to, you know, my, my college studies and then what I ultimately have done, you know, throughout my career, which is either, you know, running the finance part of business or running the entirety of the business. It's not often that a high schooler is interested in taking accounting courses. So I'm sure very useful, but. <laughs> well, it, it, at the time it, it was, you know, a unique thing and there weren't many people going into it, but I don't know. I was just fascinated by, you know, the whole debits and credits and, and how that worked. But honestly, I, I tell you know people today that if you understand how things work from a, a financial perspective in a business, you will always be able to recognize, you know, the pitfalls, you know, in a business, either before, during or after, uh, you know, some event. Most of the time you should have, if you're good, you, you can prevent those things. But uh, not understanding that can lead, you know, to a blindness of, of people's uh, abilities to, to function 
unless they've got trusted confidants that, that do that stuff. But I, I was always one to want to do it and understand it before I actually could tell others how to look for things and, and what to do. Very cool. Yeah, it's clear you had a, a knack for business at a young age. But um, I read also that that uh, your father-in-law or future father-in-law at the time was pretty influential. How did he influence your decision to go into business as well? Well, I, unlike my own parents, who I said, you know, they, they were very supportive of me, but they didn't do, I, I was like the, the odd man out in my family that I, you know, really liked this, you know, business thing. I didn't have any role models directly within my family. I had a couple of uncles that, that ran a, a local auto parts store, but I wasn't in, involved in that or, or close to that. So, and I, you know, my wife and I, my, my current, you know, my, my now wife, uh, I started, you know, uh, dating her when I was in uh, high school. I think I was 14 years old. So I was around my father-in-law at a very young age, and he was a banker, a local banker, and he was a business guy. He wore a suit to, to work every day, and I was fascinated by that. So I enjoyed the conversations. He had a brother-in-law that ran a local site development business that, you know, I got exposure to. And so I, I think if you are around people that can stoke your interest and, you know, allow you to, to ask, you know, pertinent questions, you're either going to say, I want more of that and I want to pursue that path or, oh, now that I know that, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to go anywhere near that. So for me, it was, it was the enabler that he was in that role. And he was a good role model, you know, all the way around from an ethical standpoint, an honesty standpoint, and just a good human being. So all of that fed my, uh, my desire to go into business. All right. Awesome. So after high school, you attended Longwood University, also in Virginia. So why did you choose this path and what did you study in, in, a, in college? I chose the path because uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, had decided to go there. And her dad one day called me up and said, hey, taking Suzanne to uh, Longwood, you wanna go? I've got nothing else to do today. <laughs> I hopped in the car and went down there. And you know, once she got accepted, I was like, all right, I, I think I can go here. And honestly, it was one of the best choices I made because one, it was a small school at the time, just a few thousand people. And so it was It was a little bit like a private college without being a private college. I decided to study accounting because I had done so well in high school in that, and it led to, you know, business things. And I thought, oh, I could see myself being, you know, an accountant and being a CFO because I was just fo so focused on the financial aspect at the time. And that, that's what I did. And that that's what led me to, you know, what, what I've done throughout my career. But uh, it, it shaped me because it was private. I had really good professors that, that took an interest in me because I took an interest in, you know, the subject. Uh, so I kind of was one of those odd men out that, you know, once you study some, I kind of knew from the beginning that I liked it. So therefore, I wanted to study it and I wanted to go into that business where I would say, Many people, certainly in today's environment, you know, study something because somebody tells them to, as opposed to because they, they really love it. I actually really did 
love what I studied and therefore, you know, was, was able to have some success throughout my career as a result of that. It does seem easier when you love what you are learning and doing. So that makes sense. Did you work throughout college as well? I sure did. I, uh, I, I worked at both, uh, you know, the hardware store. I did uh, house painting. I built fences. I built decks. I, uh, anything to make a buck, uh, quite honestly, because I, I didn't have any support from my family. They didn't have any money uh, to, to send me. Um, so you know, I, I had to fund it myself or take loans or do work stuff. I worked during college at, uh, at the dining hall. So, you know, wh- whatever back then you needed to do to, you know, make ends meet, I did. Awesome. All right. So what was your first job after college um, in terms of your, your track and your professional career? Sure. You, you might laugh at this. I, I, I got out of school in the, the, the mid 80s, which uh, at the time, uh, interest rates were uh, exceedingly high. Uh, we were still trying to you know, get uh, inflation down and jobs weren't plentiful. I ended up going to work for a moving company down in Tyson's. Lo and behold, it was a government contractor. It provided movers for, I think, uh, Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation was their their main client. It was the craziest thing I ever got into. It was a little family-owned business, had some weird stuff going on between the the owners and their kids and stepkids. And it, it was, it was, it was, I look back on it and think, how did I even get into that? But I lasted there about a month. And realized that wasn't good for me because I just got married right out of school. So my first real professional job uh, was for the uh, Virginia Department of Taxation. I, I got out and was a, uh, a state tax auditor. That also, you know, I, I proved that I didn't really want to be a public servant uh, in that role because I my my entrepreneurial spirit was still burning high, and and you really couldn't affect anything uh, that way. So then I went to work for, for Honeywell Federal uh, and got a real taste of, of government contracting and kind of that, that was the trajectory that, that started my, my real success. Once I found something I love to do, I, you know, promotions came and different jobs and, you know, people recruited me outside. So that, that was, you know, a little bit of the, the early days of my career. Awesome. Yeah. So tell us a bit about how those uh, transitions and opportunities came about for you, you know, how your career progressed afterwards and, and why certain opportunities were ones that you would take. Sure. Well, uh, when I was with Honeywell, uh, again, I had started out doing, you know, standard, you know, accounting stuff, receivables and payables and, you know, treasury work. And I was studying for my CPA exam. I wanted to you know, get that again. I had, you know, both my father-in-law and, and his brother-in-law, you know, were encouraging me saying, hey, you, you need to do this for professional development. So I ended up, you know, getting my, my CPA, but I didn't really want to go into public accounting. I wanted to go into corporate accounting, whereby that skill set really was a requirement as opposed to okay, you have it, but you don't need it for this job. So the jobs that I had at Honeywell didn't require it, but they were good functioning you know, jobs that had given me three promotions during my four years there. I ended up getting recruited by uh, another contractor across the street from, from where I was there in Tyson's uh, local uh, BDM 
uh, big government contractor that did have the requirement that I be a CPA and I have certain requirements. And then I hooked up with some some people that were real workaholics, but they they taught me one that you know you, you got to put in the time and and extra stuff if you like it and you you, you seek it everybody there would, would provide additional information. So I, I tell that to, to people today that sometimes, you know, if you just stay in your lane, you're probably going to miss opportunities, especially if you get into the kind of company. BDM was, you know, a couple hundred million dollars at the time. It had been bought by Ford Aerospace. Well, lo and behold, six months later, uh, the Carlisle Group ended up taking BDM Private. It was their first uh, defense acquisition uh, when they started the fund uh, back in 1989-1990 uh, time period. So with that, I probably learned more in the first several years working for BDM than most people would learn in, in a career. It was honestly that addictive of an environment whereby we, we, we joke now that it was almost cult-like because there was a group of about four to six of us in the finance realm that after it was sold by Ford Aerospace and, and taken private, a lot of people left during that transition. I stayed and it was one of the best things I ever did because it connected me to people that were meaningful in the space, some leaders that walked through between the, the Earl Williams and the Phil O'Deans that, that you know, led the company over those years. Those tied into things that I did. For example, Phil O'Dean was part of BDM. He also was a board member at Kinetic when I went to work there. So you know, when you get mentors and people that, that teach you things, and if you're willing to do things outside of your job jar, if you will. That's what helped me accelerate my career, probably more so than, than some others would have done at, at a similar age and experience level. All right. And I know we're skipping around a bit, but what ultimately led you to XLA and, and becoming president and CEO of a company? Sure. Well, I, I had, uh, as you see in my background, uh, I had uh, helped develop VA systems in North America. When I started there, it was about a billion dollar business made up of 20 little companies. And we went on a buying spree and uh, we ultimately, um, you know, I went from being a controller to the CFO and then we bought United Defense in about 2005 timeframe and changed the shape of that business. And a couple of years later, I had the, the privilege to run that business as the president of, of that group. And that was, you know, a, an honor of a lifetime and, and gave me that, that bug to say, you know what, I can, I can run the operation. I had a finance background, but I was very operationally focused surrounded by a lot of good people and, and uh, ran that business for three years you know, prior to leaving. Then I got picked up by Kinetic. Uh, they needed some help. That ultimately led to a sale of that business. Then during that period of time is when I had kind of said, you know what, what do I want to do next? Mm -hmm. And I had always dealt with private equity folks when I would help 
by the businesses that they were selling. And along the way, I met some folks and I met the, the, the uh, principal from, from the Halifax group from the time I was leaving Kinetic and kept in touch with him. And one day, you know, he called up and said, hey, we've got something we'd like you to, to take a look at. And ultimately asked me if I wanted to, to come and help transform the business and see what we could do to improve. It was a fixer upper uh, that, you know, it was, it was a, a, a distressed business that they had put together and had some unfortunate things happen. So with my background, they're like, let's see, try. That was now almost eight years ago, uh, brought me there. And we've had some pandemics, we've had some shutdowns, we've had, you know, all kinds of craziness during that time. But that's what led me to to XLA. And I think one of your questions was, you know, did I ever envision being a, a president or CEO? I wouldn't put that at the top of my head. I would say I always wanted to try my hand of leading a business and taking all of that experience between BDM and, and BA systems that I had, had garnered and then certainly the, the kinetic business. There was a lot of MA, a lot of, you know, really fun stuff I did along the way. Like, I think I can do this. That's what led me to it. And, you know, you're only as good as, as the team you have around you. And uh, sometimes you, you gotta, you know, go back and put your training wheels back on now and then to, you know, restart the, you know, ride into the bike. So that's what led me there. Uh, that's what's kept me there, which was the commitment to, to the employees and the leaders that, that I, I lead as well as the, the PE firm said, look, we've, we've got something, we're going to make it better uh, than when I got here. And eventually, you know, I'd, I'd like to complete the, the, the transformation and, and figure out, you know, the next, you know, place for, for XLA to, you know, recognize, you know, its, its growth uh, trajectory. Awesome. Well, I do have one, one last reflective type question for you. When you think about some of the opportunities that you've had and experiences throughout your life, you know, some driven by personal decisions, professional decisions. What are some life lessons that you take away and that you pass on to the next generation? Now, I think first and foremost is, is your career is a journey, right? It's, it's not a quick trip around the corner and, and skipping from place to place. You, you got to have some patience. I, I think I've, I've had to learn that along the way. You mentioned it earlier, you know, enjoy what you do or do what you enjoy. Right. It's, you know, which, which side is it? Or am I, you know, doing it because I need to, or am I doing it because I enjoy it? I think, you know, my, my lessons learned is if you enjoy what you do, you will find success. If you don't, if you're just doing something because you think it's what somebody else wants you to do, or because it's paying the bills, you, you might never reach that pinnacle uh, that you're looking for, uh, if that's the case. And probably the most important is treat others the way that you want to be treated. There's nothing like reflecting in the mirror and having a conversation and say, how did I take that? So, you know, that's, that's a hard lesson. And it took me a while to kind of, you know, get to that point that, you know, I, I could say, you know what, if, if I treated somebody poorly, would I have responded the same way? And if the case, if that's the case, I'd say, you know what, I, I need to make it right. And lastly, I think success is ultimately defined by what you leave behind. 
uh, in, in any of your, your businesses. And, you know, I take great pride in, in some of the, the businesses that I've left and the people I've left behind that, you know, have gone on to do other things and, and found success or have at least said, you know what, you, you made a, a, a positive difference, you know, on, on me, on us as an organization while you were here. So uh, th those things, you know, when, when you're in the heat of the moment, you know, you're not going to necessarily uh, you know, reflect on that. But, you know, what, what's, what's said when you're gone is, I think, you know, more importantly, uh, you know, the measure. Yeah, absolutely. And Gary, if there's one thing I've learned from conducting some of these interviews, it's that, well, first of all, you can never predict where someone's next move is, is going to be or what's going to happen in the near future. But um, it's also that the CEO role or leading a company as CEO, CEO isn't even close to being the last endeavor for lots of our executives in this industry. So what does the future look like for you now? I know you talked a bit about XLA and, and its growth, but do you have any personal or professional aspirations that you hope to achieve? Sure. I, 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 that's a great question because many people think as you, you get to the twilight of your career that you're done learning, you're done having you know desires to, to do things. I, I think certainly for, for me, I could see my, my next part of my journey is, is giving back by serving on, on various company boards. I have a couple that I, I serve on now, uh, but you know, I, I think my, my give back to, to the community and, and where I find uh, some of my experiences are, are very useful is, is through board work. Uh, so I, I think that's one of the things and just simply, you know, to enjoy life. You know, every day there's there's somebody that you know is is no longer you know with us in this world as a result of of never taking the time to enjoy what uh, success has brought them. So I don't want to be you know that guy. So you know, my wife and I, uh, you know, will will spend time you know uh, going places that we haven't gone, enjoying things that we haven't enjoyed, and. Uh, trying to live life to the fullest while at the same time, you know, being good uh, citizens of this world. Awesome. What a lovely note to end on. Uh, Gary, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today and, and imposing some of your wisdom and, and lessons learned throughout your career. I really appreciate it. No, thank you, Amanda. I appreciate uh, the ability to, to talk to you guys and, and it's always a pleasure to see you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Humble Beginnings. Check out WashingtonExec.com to find more of our podcasts and profiles on executives. See you next time.